0: The Last Word with Matt Cooper.
1: Today FM.
0: It all happens here.
1: Today FM. Jennifer Gannon and Joe Shea with us for our weekly TV and streaming section. And Joe, I want to start with you about a programme that's not your pick of the week, but you are wanting to highlight, that's on Channel 4 tonight at 10 o'clock, a Dispatches documentary on Ukraine. Uh, Tell us what's so interesting about this to you.
2: Well, you know, uh, what we've seen again today in, in Kiev uh, a Russian missile attack on a shopping centre. I think there's uh, so far two people have been confirmed killed. So what we're seeing in, in Ukraine, what we've been watching on our TVs every night is basically attacks on, on residential areas and places that are far removed from, from the actual fighting. Tonight, the, the Channel 4 dispatches is a special show that they, they shot over 10 weeks. And they did it in the, the city of Kharkiv, uh, Ukraine's second city. And what, is the, what they did was they embedded them themselves and followed civilians and uh, emergency workers trying to basically save lives amidst the chaos and the war. And they followed a fireman called Roman. He's one of the central characters as he tries to to his him and his team try to deal with relentless uh, bombs and missile attacks, and they've also part two paramedics who they follow going through these like war shattered streets trying to help people. So it's a uh, it's a special show. It's, it's narrated by um, by Kate Blanchett, uh, strangely enough. Um, but it's I think what it really is going to give us, and it's Channel Four at ten p.m. tonight. What it's really going to give us is a, like. A, absolutely on-the-ground view of a war that is uh, you know, obviously still going on and these incidents are happening day after yeah, day. Joe, so I, I, wonder, I wonder
1: how well viewed it'll be because is yeah. there not a danger that for an awful lot of people, and this maybe is something that Putin sort of relied upon, the sort of realisation that the West would lose interest over time in what's going on. We become more interested in how this war is impacting on their ability to get food, like we've just yeah. been talking about, yeah. or energy prices. But that, despite the initial show of sympathy towards Ukraine, that people sort of have lost interest in what's been done to the people.
2: Yeah, I mean that's a very good point. And I was listening to that, and that was a fascinating, you know, looking at what's going to happen to our food supplies. I think we, you know, we have a duty, obviously, to not look away. But I think people are still are still very invested in this and are still very interested in this. I don't think there's fatigue with this. I think the you know the Irish public and the public around the world are still very interested in what's going on in Ukraine because we know that you know Europe this is Europe is, is it's, they're on the front line but if, if the if Putin and his regime if they win or if they manage to crush Ukraine then then what happens next. So I think uh, even out of self-interest I think people are going to be interested in still riveted by what's going on in the Ukraine.
1: Okay, now something else Channel 4 is doing, and Jennifer, this strikes me as a really odd one. A two part documentary series about Kevin Spacey's legal troubles. Well, Mm. he's been charged, hasn't he? Yeah. He's back in the United Kingdom, charged with assault. So, how can you make a documentary series in advance of the courts actually? Uh, making a determination as to his guilt or innocence.
0: He is currently fighting multiple claims of sexual assault in the UK courts right now Um he's due to attend, I think it's a, a second hearing next month and then the trial date will be set for some time in 2023. So I think what it is, is the two-part documentary is going to cover basically his fall from grace within the entertainment industry going from being this Academy Award winning critical, darling, who embedded himself, you know, in English society when he worked in the Old Vic Theatre for Eleven years, I became really friendly with a variety of people in the world of politics, as well as you know the acting. Well, there was a famous stars. story
1: about him sitting with Galen Maxwell, who, exactly. of course, we'll find out tomorrow her fate mm. in the New York court. in one of the wasn't Buckingham Palace,
0: or was it? it was one of the palaces I,
1: herself and himself and Galen sitting on thrones? Yeah, well, yeah.
0: And then there was you know a whole New York Times. Article back in two thousand and fifteen about you know Bill Clinton's bromance with them. He was invited to speak at Davos before in two thousand and sixteen, and you know really just about how these young men who made these you know he was accused of making sexual advances against around twenty young men who came forward in two thousand and seventeen um, after his work in the Old Vic theater. And I think that really just the documentary is going to concentrate on that imp- the power imbalance of that and how hard it is for for them to come forward and this civil case with the actor Anthony Rapp who his initial claim of sexual assault was one that started the ball rolling back in twenty seventeen and, and that's where these sub- subsequent allegations came in. He said that he uh, sexually assaulted him when he was fourteen years old back in the nineteen eighties. So it's all about that sexual misconduct and the fact that he hasn't alleged sexual alleged misconduct, sexual you misconduct you have to say yes.
1: in advance of a conviction.
0: But also the fact that he hasn't disappeared um he is going to be in an Italian film, The Man Who Drew God, which is co-star in Vanessa Redgrave and that's filming right now. He's also popped up on YouTube a lot doing bizarre um, little vignettes of his character from uh, House of Cards Frank Underwood uh, and I just think, you know, with the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial will these celebrity cases be viewed by the public in a very different Way, or how will they be framed by the media now in this post me too world? What will happen, and I think you know it will be an interesting look they 're also going to be doing another documentary about Noel Clark, who is the British director who's also uh, accused of sexual misconduct with several okay. women on the sets of his films as well right.
1: The x factor hasn 't gone away. you know it seems Joe that it 's about to make a comeback. I didn't even realize that. Apparently, how many years is it since we had an X Factor? Twenty eighteen. Since anyone cared.
2: <laughs> Twenty eighteen was that was the last time we had an X Factor. Uh, you know, and it it is it's kind of funny because it was so huge when you think about it, and it kind of you know it just it died a kind of a slow, terrible death on over eighteen. Uh, I think the fifteen seasons, and it, people forget it was absolutely massive, and it did make stars. It did give us One Direction, Little Mix, Leona Lewis. You know, James Car. Uh, James uh, Arthur, and uh, actually the first guy Matt Cardle, uh, or sorry in two thousand and ten Matt Cardle um, you know went to had a Christmas number one in Ireland and Britain, and that, that was kind of the last maybe the big big season that was maybe the peak of it, but it just kind of it just kind of you know went into a very long and slow decline but Simon Cole, you know nothing ever dies these days you know and especially not big franchises and especially not something that People uh, uh, sh- uh, channels think there's a built-in audience for now. Apparently, ITV are not shoo-ins to uh, to, to do this. Uh, Simon Cole's trying to shop it around various uh, streaming services and various channels to see if anybody's going to buy it. But there probably will be a market for it if they want to revive it, uh, even for like nostalgia. You know, for for people who grew up in the kind of the noughties watching it, or, or you know, uh, even more recently Jennifer, they might tune in. just Nostalgia
1: for something that ended only four
2: years I ago. I don't
0: think so. I mean, I think. Samik has always been trying to claw his way back onto Primetime T V because he had it so good for so long. And he did that thing called Walk the Line which was on, you know, a couple of years ago and, and it ended up being put oh, out awful. of its misery halfway through yeah. the run because it was so horrific. It was just completely scrapped because nobody was watching it and I think the show just lost the run of itself and it became about ego, it became about the manufactured drama between the judges rather than the contestants and then the contestants so many of them were really forgettable that they're they're all, you know, fighting for attention now in, in local pubs up and down the UK and I think X Factor would have to make significant changes if it was to come back to our screens because that kind of theatre cruelty that Simon Cowell dined out on for years is gone like he used to be there calling teenage girls fat and ugly and, you know concentrating on contestants who obviously had mental health problems that were very unwell and making them figures of fun, and that's really just not acceptable anymore. And I don't think this is the way that people find fame anymore. Kids don't find fame like this anymore. They're already like masters of their own, you know, domain with TikTok. That can them, they can make millions of followers there. Why would they bother being told by a couple of out of date singers whether they can sing or not? Who, why do they care about their opinion? They, they shouldn't. Like,
1: okay, Joe,
0: uh, what's this new Irish
1: drama series, Harry Wilde?
2: Yeah, I, I watched a trailer for this and I was trying to, it's kind of, um, it, it kind of comes across as Bally Kiss Angel meets Rosemary in Thyme. Um, we've got Jane Seymour, who, you know, uh, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, uh, as, as I think a lot of people remember, playing sort of a retired, Dublin Four uh, woman uh, who's kind of decided she wants to get into becoming a detective. Um, and it's set in Dublin. It's made by a company called Acorn TV and they kind of specialise in sort of the kind of dramas, the kind of... Sp- kind of maybe for an older demographic drama that you might see on Gold or one of those channels <laughs> you know so, right. so but it has got it's it's got Amy Hoopman in it as well and it's also providing employment Good judging by the minute and a half long trailer for every single car- bit part actor character actor ex-comedian and vaguely uh, remembered off the telly actor in, in Ireland so you know at least it's, good, it's doing that kind of public service it, it'll probably find an audience in the UK kind of listeners to Classic FM and um people who take cruises and stuff like that but it's it's it doesn't look very promising for an Irish audience I have to say
1: right <laughs> Jennifer I'm going to give you a minute on Love Island. So.
0: Yay! <laughs> You're letting me. As, like, look, just as invested I am in this year's edition, it is very, very dramatic uh, and they have gotten the the right balance of contestants this year, like Sue, Ekansu. It's Ekansu's Island and I'm delighted with it. I don't think we need two seasons in a year. They're That's saying, the plan for next year, Yeah. It? When Love Island is good, it's great. When it's bad, it's horrid and last season's efforts were completely forgettable and I do think you can have too much of a good thing and Love Island is really time consuming it's an hour a night you know every night then you have the unseen bits on a Saturday Um, and with a winter edition in the mix that will be overkill and they did it before in 2020 and it was fine but it just doesn't have that unique kind of brain holiday that the summer edition does it's it's summer fodder. It's not for the winter because the winter, your, your TV schedule is jam-packed with prestige dramas and all the new kind of stuff that they're pushing on terrestrial telly. And I think if they're going to do a winter one, it has to have something different, a hook in it. It should be like all the contestants are bisexual. All of them are normal or average body types. Make it over 30s, Love violence. They have to have something to differentiate it from the summer one to get people to tune in in the same way and make it as interesting because I think it's too much. It'll get too bloated and people will just tr- switch off and I can see that happening definitely Joe what's your pick of the week
2: Um, there's a show on RT1 tonight at 8 o'clock called but Bog Amok um, which is an interesting title and it's, it's kind of timely and it's a, it's a good idea. It's basically it's a, the presenter is Tessa Fleming and what she's doing is she's following people who want to relocate from cities to rural life, right? So you know this great thing about we can all work remotely now so why should I pay ridiculous amount of money to buy a house in Dublin or rent a house in Dublin when I can live in some beautiful parts of Ireland and still uh, work away in, in my chosen job. And tonight she's starting off with a Dublin Couple Will and Don, who are kind of basically uh, sitting in, in their really expensive, uh, you know, accommodation in Dublin, and dreaming of life in Connemara. So I think it's going to be an interesting kind of fish out of water, kind of living the dream. Will it work? Won't it work? You know what kind of problems are you going to run into? It's called Bogamok. It's on APM RT One tonight.
0: And what's your pick, Jennifer? Um, it's Scouting for Girls. It's on Sky Documentaries tomorrow at nine o'clock. And this was first shown last week. But for anybody who missed it, um, it's it, it's a really important documentary about uh, the abuses that go on the fashion industry. So it's a three-part documentary series that reveals the endemic sexual abuse of girls as young as 13, 14 and fifteen who are. Pregnant upon by four agents in particular John Casablancas, who was Julian Casablanca from The Strokes his father uh, Gerald Marie Jean-Luc Brunel and Claude Haddad who essentially they controlled the modeling industry from the 1980s to the middle of the 90s and they had so much influence on the modeling world and they promised these very young naive girls this glamorous life of fame success and fortune and it's all about how these former models like Carrie Otis who you would know if anybody was listening to the podcast you must remember this recently their new series the her story, her very heroine story was in in that series included in it. So her, Shauna Lee and Jill Dodd and others testify about their experience at the hands of these men and they're completely powerless. Now Gerald Murray is the only accuser that's still alive and he obviously vehemently denies these allegations but you do see the connections in the fashion industry where you have men like you know Epstein and Trump who paid the models agents to spend time with these girls and it's very bleak it's very disturbing but it does expose that seediness of the industry and asks for the same kind of reckoning and redemption that the me too movement had for the actum world
1: Jennifer Gannon Joe Shea, thank you
2: the last word with Matt Cooper today fm it all
0: happens here